We've got a beautiful day out there today. We'd like to welcome our visitors this morning. And if you would, we've got, we used to say these were blue connect cards, but they're white with a little blue on them. If you would fill that out for us and you can just leave that in your, in your uh, seat or just leave it on the back with one of the fellows on the back. But if you would do that for you, good to have you with us today. Let's see, this week we've got Tuesday on the 28th is the nominating committee meeting at 10.30 a.m. in the morning. On Wednesday at 6.30, uh, we'll have Zonia meeting, Zonia uh, Mitchell. She'll be sharing with us then. And uh, Scott will be back with us on October the 3rd, which is next week, and then Bible study on the uh, following Wednesday, Ray Owens, uh, he'll have that. Also this morning, we wanted to, uh, to bring up uh, the disaster fund for, for our state of Louisiana has sort of been depleted, and we're going to be taking up an offering today and also next week, and that'll be to help uh, sort of build that back up with the storm and everything that's come through. That our uh, fund on that has been uh, depleted some. So uh, they sent 21,000 uh, last week to churches in South Louisiana due to the storm. So that offering will be taken. Uh, you can turn that in as you do, do your regular offering. Just make your uh, check to the church so you, that can be counted off as your your funds donation and or you can turn it in online and just mark it uh, disaster fund and that'll be taken up today and next week so if you have any questions on that you can uh, ask Nancy she's got the information on that but that'll be going to build up back up the fund so I'm gonna read for us this morning from Romans it's good to have each of you here today. We've had a beautiful week. We've had uh, we've had some pretty weather this week. We had a little bit of rain, but good to have some of you hadn't been back since you've been sick, and we're glad to have you all back this morning. So we miss you when you're out. This is Romans. I'm going to sort of skip around. This is the uh, eighth chapter. As we know that in the 28th verse, as we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not alone, also alone with Him, graciously give us all things? In all things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, for any powers, neither height nor depth, neither anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God 
that is in Christ our Lord. Thank the Lord for God loves us so it's just hard to comprehend how much God does love us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us, the opportunity and the privilege to come back out to your house to worship this morning, Lord. We thank you for the love that you have for each of us to watch care keeping your hand on us, Lord. And we just ask that you just be in our service this morning. Thank you again for the opportunity to come out today. We ask all this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Stand with us this morning as we begin singing a song that we all know well. God is good all, all the time. time. There you go. <laughs> God is good all the time. He put a song of praise in this heart of mine. God is good. His light will shine. God is good. God is good all the time. Amen. That's a great way to start, isn't it? Now we'll join together on this beautiful song, Cornerstone. Seems to hide his face. I 
next one is one we know very well too I'm going through and every time we sing this on a Sunday I'm going through all week long just keep going through <laughs> it just stays with you so let's enjoy this together this morning I'm going through Yeah. 
y'all be here this morning and our visitors we want to thank you for being here with us this morning we got some prayer requests that's uh, listed on here and uh, I'm just going to read those off Jerry Crane continue to pray for him Ken McConnell Ken's uh, he's had a pretty good week this week Marie and LB Wanda Bennett Kazuko uh, friends of Sonia, I don't know why I have such a hard time. I talk to you just about every week. Anyway, she said that, uh, and this is a miracle. This girl, she asked for her cell phone last night, wanting to call someone. And I mean, it's a miracle that she's still living. So, our COVID situation, our health workers, our church and pastors, uh, those traveling to shut-ins, the loss, and our nominating committee. Also our country and the leaders, you know, we're here just, we get up and, and we start our days and we go, you know, but just remember our country. We've got a lot of situations just in the United States, at the borders. I can't imagine all those people. At the borders, they don't even have anywhere really to lay down. Some of those families, they, there's kids there, there's pregnant women. So just remember them. Also Afghanistan, there's still people left there our United States citizens that's over there. And uh, we just ask that you still just continue to, to pray for them and the workers through them. We've got, we've got Scott Lamb with us this morning. Rebecca, we thank, thank you all and your family. We appreciate, love and appreciate you. And, uh, come on and share the word this morning. Good morning. Hey, let's, um, before we uh, go any further, let's take a moment just to pray for these uh, requests that were mentioned and uh, that James went over and let's pray together. Your Father, we're so thankful for an opportunity to assemble together, to be here together. God, uh, you're our God and we're your people and God, we come together because of what your son has done for us, the life that we have in him. We have that common bond there. And God, um, we have experienced your love for us. 
your um, mercies and your graces. God, we um, understand how you work in our life, and we know that you can work in the lives of others. God, we know that you don't just love me or the person sitting next to us. God, you love all of your creation. And God, uh, you have answers uh, for their needs. And God, uh, we just pray as each one was mentioned today that we know you are the answer. You hold the key. And God, that we just ask that you'll touch in each one. Bless as we um, get into your word today. Help us just to be able to be, uh, get help from the Holy Spirit as we, um, as we read your word. God, help us just to be able to um, get from it what you would have for us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thankful for opportunity to be able to pray. Y'all hear a ringing? Do I have this turned on right? Okay. All right. I'm glad to have uh, my uh, nephew James with us this morning. So uh, I see yeah, it made the Oldhams change seats. <laughs> they, they like him so much. Uh, yeah, so yeah, so he's got aunts and uncles on both sides here. So uh, we're glad that uh, he uh, jumped in the car with us on our way through Ruston as we passed through Tech there and, uh, and came with us this morning. So James, glad you're here with us. And uh, all of you, I'm glad that you made a choice and an effort to be in God's house this morning. Um, do you ever get uh, phone calls and you just know it's not somebody you know, right? And it's a, a spam call or whatever. It seems like that's happening more and more all the time. Some of them are polls. Do you ever answer them and, uh, and do these polls? There was a man one time who was answering questions for a national poll. When they asked for his church preference, he responded, red brick. <laughs> red brick. <laughs> so I apologize to you Wednesday night crowd. You heard that one already. All right, we've been uh, talking on Wednesday nights over the last uh, month or so about the church and about um, what it is, the function of it, or how we fit into it and all that. But uh, it's true. I think a lot of people in the world just think of church as the building, right? It's just the place out on the corner that people go to every now and then, you know, the church. But we would agree, right? We agree together that the church is more than just the building, right? And it's really not the building. We, we call it the church building, but the church is more than the building. Remember, uh, Rebecca and I were um, privileged to be able to go on a mission trip with uh, Brother Billy when he was still living over um, to Africa. And one of our stops was in Amsterdam. And we got to tour. We had a long layover there, and we toured some of the city there. And one of the things that stuck out in my mind was all these great big cathedrals. And they said this was common throughout Europe. But these great big fancy nice cathedral church buildings that now they were just museums. And because the church, which is the people, right? Oh, I just blew my rest of my message. Oh, no, no. Uh, the churches, the people were, were no longer gathering there, and the building was just left as just a skeleton of that, and it had turned into something else. But the church is more than just the building. Amen, right? Um, it's us. And it's more than just us here gathered in this room. Thank goodness. It's more than, than just us as, uh, as uh, 
much as we love to gather together, the church is worldwide. The church is worldwide. Believers that assemble together, uh, those who uh, believe in Jesus Christ, those who believe in God. But it's not just believers, right? Because you remember the scripture that um, even demons believe? Remember that in James uh, 2, 19? Even the demons believe in God and they shudder, it said. So the church, demons are not part of the church, are they? Not part of God's church. So it's not just those who believe in God. We might have to stretch out this a little bit about uh, belief. It's one thing to believe in God, but to be a part of the church, it's a little step further, isn't it? It's a trust, a trust in Jesus Christ for the salvation, for salvation. It's an understanding that, that we are dead in our sin and our trespasses and that we need the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus for salvation. And we trust in that and we, we set out on a journey to follow that, that Christ, that Savior, and make Him not only our Savior but our Lord. And when we do that, we're not only believers but we're trusters, I guess you could say. And we're, we're following in the, the path of Jesus Christ. So, it's not just believers, so to speak. Maybe it's just those who work in the church. Maybe that's who the church is. Is it those who work in the church? Now, while it's, it's true that faith without works is dead, that's also in James chapter 2, the church doesn't consist of people who just work in the church. Because I would venture to guess that there may be even some people who work in the church that aren't part of the church. You following me on that? All right? Just because you come work in the church doesn't mean you are part of the church. And we're going to just stretch all this out here and, um, and try to come to an understanding a little bit today of what the church is. Just to pose the question, what is the church? How does the world see the church? It's not just a building, but what makes up the church? What is the church composed of? Who is the church? We are. We are. I've titled the sermon, We Are. <laughs> we are. And uh, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later because it, it goes along with some of the scripture that I've had. So you might have heard it said before that sitting in a church no more makes you a Christian than sitting in a garage makes you a car. Right? You, know, you can kind of follow the analogy there. Sitting in a church doesn't no more makes you a Christian than sitting in a garage makes you a car. Now, Scripture tells us not to forsake assembling together or come and sitting together. So we are sitting in the church. Um, we do assemble together like we are this morning. But does that make us the church? Am I not part of the church because I've come and assembled here together with everybody else? I would say no, not necessarily. Well, then what am I if I come and I assemble together? Well, it may mean that you're just someone who sometimes attends meetings held at a church building. Right? You're not necessarily part of the church. How do I become part of the church? <laughs> How do I become part of the church? Where do I sign up to join? And to that I would say, 
you don't sign up to join. You don't sign up to join. You're born into it. You're born into it. And not just a natural birth. It's not because you're born to your mama and your daddy and they were part of the church. And then you're naturally part of the church. It doesn't work that way. It's not through a natural birth, but by a supernatural birth. You're born into the church. When you're born again, you know that saying, right? When you're born again, this is a, a spiritual rebirth. When through faith in Jesus Christ, you repent, you claim the gift that He's given us, His forgiveness for the sin in our life, you claim His salvation for your condemned life, you're born into and become part of a fellowship of believers, which is the church. So again, you Wednesday night people, I thought uh, Ken was not going to come today because I told him Wednesday night, I'm going to be repeating some things that I've been talking about Wednesday. He said, okay, so that's my excuse not to be there Sunday, right? Okay, I told on you, okay. But he came anyway, he came anyway. So we've been going over this a lot on Wednesday nights, but I thought we could just kind of cap it all off and really give us a, a good uh, uh, understanding of the church this morning. Although, I want to quote from a, um, a book called Newness of Life by Richard Howard. And this was uh, part of a required reading that I had when I was doing some uh, courses through Mid-America. But I like what he said here. He said, although the decision to believe on Christ has to be a personal and individual one. Okay, you got that? It's your own personal decision. An individual one. The new believer's newfound relationship with God in Christ is not individualistic. That's a long word, individualistic. So it is your own individual choice to believe on Christ and trust in Him. But that newfound relationship you have with God in Christ is not individualistic. And where I'm going with that is you're born into the church. You're born into a group. You're born into a fellowship of other believers who's also made that personal, individual choice. But you're not by yourself in this. You're born into a fellowship of believers. You become a part of the fellowship. And I, I left his quote here, so I added my own stuff in there. But he says, in other words, a man does not become a believer in isolation. Instead, he enters into a new fellowship. He becomes part of a fellowship of believers. And this is the church. The church, a fellowship of believers. You're born into it. He goes on to say, the word fellowship, koanania, probably didn't get that right. It was classical Greek, meant an association or a partnership. And it was used by the early church with a new significance about being joined together to a body. And Paul talks about it frequently. It says the individual believers were united together through Christ in a close bond. This fellowship was in the Holy Spirit. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 1, 9. It says, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. There's a bond there which binds Christians to each other, to Christ and to God. So very early, 
the fellowship of believers was called the church. The New Testament word translated into the English word church is from the Greek ekklesia. Ekklesia. Some of you have probably heard of that word tossed around in church before. Ekklesia. It's defined as a called out assembly or congregation. For example, we see it in Acts 11.26 where it says that Barnabas and Saul met with the church, which is ekklesia, in Antioch. And in 1 Corinthians 15.9, Paul says that he had persecuted the ecclesia. He had persecuted the church of God. Sometimes Paul refers to the church as a local assembly or to a group of churches in a specific area. At other times he speaks of the church universal, even identifying the church of God, which is at Corinth. That's 1 Corinthians 1-2. So when he wrote the letter to him, he would address it to the church of God, which is at Corinth. So here we're the church of God, which is on Cypress Street, right? We are that, that fellowship of believers that meets here, that ecclesia, that called out assembly or congregation, the church of God church of God. It's God's church. Christ built it. Matthew 16, 18. I apologize. I'm skipping around a lot on scripture, but you'll remember if you want to flip there, you can, but Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus was talking to his disciples and he asked them, who do people say that I am? And a few of them uh, chimed in and then Peter made the, the great confession there. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus commended him for his confession of that. And he said, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. So Jesus said, I will build my church. It's his church. It's his church. All believers are joined into this church by faith in Jesus as savior. The same faith that Peter expressed in this confession when he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So I'm going to get to my, uh, my main passage, I guess, today. I've selected as Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22. So if you ought to read along with me on that. Okay, church that meets at Cypress Street. <laughs> Let's read this together. Ephesians uh, chapter 2. I'll read. You can follow along. Verse 19 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. You are, it kind of uses the word building, doesn't it? But he's not talking about a building of bricks and mortar. It's a building of just this body, this group. This building, he said, in whom you are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Oh, isn't that great? 
as the body of Christ, we are being built together. He said, you're our God's household. You're a God's household. And guess who the head of the household is? You know you have to fill that on, on your tax forms, right? Who the head of the household is. But guess who the head of the household is? Of this household, God's household. Jesus. Jesus. And we'll get to that scripture in a little bit. I like that passage. You're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. It's God's church. It's His household. Not a building, but a group of people. He lives in us, it says. Inhabits us and shows Himself. Listen to this. He shows Himself to a watching world through us. Is that a little heavy? A little, maybe, wow, I got a lot of responsibility here, don't I? God shows Himself to a watching world through us, through the church. We are citizens of God's kingdom and members of His household. We're His church. And this is where I got the, the title for the sermon. We are. We are His church. So let's explore that we are a little further today. There was a movie that came out uh, several years ago, We Are Marshall. Anybody ever seen that one? It's a good uh, football movie if you like sports movies or whatever. I'd recommend you watching it. But it's about Marshall University back in 1970. I think they, there was a, a horrible uh, plane crash and it killed a lot of the team and members of the university and things. And, and so they had a really, as you can imagine, tough time of dealing with that and rebuilding from that. And kind of the mantra that came of that is, we are Marshall. And it was kind of a rallying call, a call of unifying everybody together and saying, who are we? You know, we are this group of people. We are Marshall. And this, um, I don't want to get off too far on a tangent on that, but as the church, we are his church. And that should be a, a rallying call to just pull us together, to unify us together, to accomplish the mission that God has for us. We are his church. As... Um, a quote, and one more time from that uh, newness of life, it says, The corporate consciousness of the new man in Christ was further enhanced by the realization that each, indiv each individual believer was part of the body of Christ. Indeed, the church is the body of Christ. Ephesians 1, and 23 says, He put all things in subjection under His feet, and gave him, talking of Jesus, gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So basically what that's saying, as each individual is born again, experiences spiritual rebirth and becomes a, a new person in Christ. Have you experienced that? You become a new person in Christ. Then they begin to realize that they're part of something bigger than just themselves. They're part of something bigger than themselves. They're part of the body of Christ, as Ephesians 1 puts it. His body. The church is His body. Indeed, the church is the body of Christ. So we're the body of Christ. Paul speaks in his earlier letters of the unity of believers in terms of the many being one body. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 17. And even more specifically... 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For even as the body is one, 
and yet has many members, and all are members of the body, though they are many, are one body. That might have been confusing to you. But basically, it's we're all individual parts of the one body. But as we come together, we're one body, right? We're all working together, doing our, our part to be that one body, which is Christ, Paul describes it. Paul develops the concept of the church as Christ's body. And what's the significance of the church as the fellowship of believers being the body of Christ? It was to emphasize the unity, the unity of the church, that the individual believer was a part of a collective whole. And the human body offers a vivid metaphor for that. And I'll read what I was dancing around here a minute. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Sorry, I thought I had that one marked. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. It says, Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. How many remember when uh, President Reagan was shot? How do you remember that? It was 1981. I was almost 10 years old, but I remember it. <laughs> I was going to turn 10 the next month. <laughs> but I, re I remember that. I remember watching it on TV and uh, seeing everything that was surrounding that and how he was in, being taken care of in the hospital. And we were wondering what all this was going to mean. And, uh, but the, the country, the government went on, right? It went on. Even though the leader of the country had been shot and was hospitalized and there was concerns over that, the government kept on clicking. Have you been following the news about what's going on in New Orleans with the garbage problems? They have not been able to have garbage pickup for like weeks now. I guess after all the hurricane stuff and I don't know if they're just not funding the, uh, the garbage trucks to go around and do it or whatever, but it's been a big stink. <laughs> and it's been on the, on the news about it a lot. And they're talking about the, the yeah, we just need the garbage guys to come around and pick up, pick up our stuff. Uh, what's my point in this? I'm saying that there's different parts of the body and sometimes we think some parts are more important than others to make the body function as it's supposed to. But the head, the president of the United States was incapacitated and the body was able to keep going. And you think of that as, wow, that's a great position, a high, high position or whatever. But if the garbage people <laughs> aren't able to do their job, we really find ourselves literally in a mess, right? Literally in a mess. And um, in, the, in the church, you know, who's more important? We can't think like that. We can't think like that of who has the more important part of the body. Every part is important. And I'll say this to, to be an encouragement to you because I get the feeling that a lot of people think that their part is unimportant. They think that I don't play an important part in the body of the church, of the body of Christ. They're not gonna miss it if I don't show up or I don't do this or whatever. Every part is important. Every part is important. Don't think that your part is unimportant. First Corinthians 12, in that same chapter I was in earlier, a little bit further up, 
Verses 21 and 22, Paul says, The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Indispensable. We all play an important part in the functioning of the body, of the church. And we need to get involved in the life of the church, doing our part to contribute to the whole. We are a part. We are to do our part. To do our part. Now using the analogy of the body, Paul emphasizes the importance of each church member. If a seemingly insignificant part is taken away, the whole body becomes less effective. We should not look down. Now, I would encourage those who thought that their part was unimportant. But I don't want to talk to you, to us who may look down on people who we think their part is unimportant. And we've got to be careful about that too, right? We should not look down on those who seem unimportant. And we should not be jealous. You're going to flip-flop it. We should not be jealous of others who seem to have impressive gifts. Instead, we should use the gifts that we've been given. Remember Wednesday night crowd, we read the passage, I think it was in Ephesians, where Paul was saying that uh, the Spirit gives the gifts as he sees fit to the parts of the church. And we can't just look at the gift somebody else got and say, I wish I'd have got that gift. God gives it as he sees fit. And we're, our responsibility is just to use what we've been given and do it. Be a part. Be a part of be a part and do your part. If we don't, the body will not be effective as it should be. Edward Everett Hale, the distinguished poet and former chaplain of the United States Senate, eloquently captured the essence of every American's duty. He said, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, that I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I shall do. He's right. Or the author of that was right. He did eloquently put that. <laughs> I couldn't have put it that eloquently. That's why I read it. <laughs> but what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I shall do. So it's not only our American duty, as this chaplain was laying it out, but it's our duty as part of God's church. Do our part. Do your part. Do my part. I've been quoting a lot, but bear with me on this. I think this was good. It says, although there are several parts, their, their fulfillment could be realized only as they contribute to the whole. Further, the body was that through which the inner reality was expressed. Think about that. The body was that through which the inner reality was expressed. Remember who's on the inside? Remember who we said we are the temple of the living God, God in the spirit? The inner reality of us is God in us. The body is that through which the inner reality is expressed. How meaningful and significant to realize that the church is the body of the glorified Christ through which the reality of Christ is expressed outwardly to the world. Christ is seen by the world through the church. Wow, I love that. Christ is seen by the world through the church. So this beautiful metaphor speaks of the essential unity of 
the church and its parts. Now, uh, Wednesday night people, I, I talked to you all about this one so you all remember this. But you remember uh, putting your face above a headless frame painted to represent the muscle man or the bathing beauty or whatever. I'm going to pick on my uh, nephew James. I remember seeing a picture of him in one of the, some picture at their house or whatever. But all of us have probably done that, right? You know, they've got the cutout and you stick your head in the hole and somebody takes your picture. It looks ridiculous, doesn't it? <laughs> because it doesn't match. Your head doesn't match the body. What's sad is that if we could picture Christ as the head, we've established that, right? Christ is the head of the church. If we could picture Christ as the head of our local body, our local church body here, would the world laugh at the misfit? Would the world think, that's ridiculous? Or do we really match up good with our head? Is our body really matching the head? Are we living the life of Christ like we should? Or is it just an apparent mismatch? Is an apparent mismatch. Are we doing our part to be the body of Christ like we're called to be? So what's our function as the body of Christ? It's, it's something that you really can't do alone as an individual believer. The way it's intended to be done is unified. Working together. A body of believers working together. Together as one body, we're to express to the world the reality of Christ. I know I've repeated that, but I love that. The church as the body of Christ, when functioning properly as intended, should present a picture of Christ to the lost world that's looking on. When the world looks at the church, they should see Christ. So our question we have to ask ourselves is, do they? Do they? Does the world see Christ when they look at us? Um, my cousin Stephanie, I saw a post on Facebook a few days ago or something, and there was a picture of her kids. And her daughter, Lily, the look she had on her face when I looked at her, I saw Stephanie. I mean, I saw my cousin. You've, you've seen that a lot of times probably, right? You look at kids and you've seen them, you maybe had not seen them in several years, and then you look at them and say, man, they look just like their mama. They look just like their daddy. It's an awesome responsibility and an awesome privilege to look like Christ. To look like Christ. How are we doing? How are we doing? When the world looks at us and says, whoa, they look like Christ. It can change them. It can change them if they see Christ in us. The way that Christ manifests Himself to the world... I'm repeating myself on a bunch of different ways. I just want to drive this point home. The way that Christ manifests Himself to the world is through His body, which is the church. And again, who's the church? We are. We are His body. We are the church. The world today is able to see Christ in Christian believers, or at least that's how it's supposed to work. Can our community see Christ when they look at us? Can we, like Paul, say, for me to live is Christ? That's Philippians 1.21. He said, for me to live is Christ. And then, can we really live it? Can we really live in such a way that the world might see Christ manifested in us? Manifested. I like that word. The definition of manifested is to be made clear or evident to the eye or to the understanding. To show, be shown plainly. 
Can Christ be shown plainly to the world when they look at us, His body? So we, the church, are to be the embodiment of Jesus Christ. You know how at Christmas a lot of times we'll sing songs about Emmanuel? Right? It's Emmanuel, God what? God with us. All right, God with us. Similarly, I kind of think of it like this. Um, the church, Jesus with us. It's like Jesus is using us as the church to um, portray himself in the world. The church, Jesus with the world. Emmanuel, God with us. God was in the form of Jesus. But now the church is who Jesus is in the form of. Jesus is in the form of the church. The church, Jesus with the world. We're His body. We present the body of Christ to the world. If so, we should look like Him and act like Him. So what did Christ look like? What did Christ look like? What did He act like? He looked like love, didn't He? He acted like love. What was His mission? To seek and to save the lost. As the church, we should be carrying out Christ's mission and Christ's commission to us. John 12, 32, Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. Remember that passage? Jesus was saying He would draw all men to Him. So as we represent the body of Christ to the world... As we lift Him up, as we exalt Him, that's what will happen. Men will be drawn to Him. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to, my, to Myself. So if we're His body now, He's no longer here on this earth. We are the representation of Him. We are His body to this earth, on this earth. As we lift Him up, as we are His body, as we exalt Him, men will be drawn to to Christ. We're to represent Him and lift Him up. So we've looked at the composition of the church, how we're born into the church through Jesus, how Jesus built it, and it's His church, how Jesus is the head, and we're the what? We're the body. Jesus is the head, we're the body. All the individual parts thereof making up the body. I think I skipped this passage, but John 17 is a beautiful prayer of Jesus when He was praying for the unity of believers. He was praying for us. He was praying that the church would be unified. And why? He knew that that was important. If we don't have unity, we're not going to be able to accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish as the church, the body of Christ. So He prayed for the unity of the church. And what's the future of the church? What's the future of the church? There's a passage in Scripture where it shows that the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. Have you heard of that? The church is the bride of Christ. Let me read a, a section from Revelation chapter 19. Should be able to find that one easy. It's right at the back. <laughs> Revelation chapter 19. I'm going to read verse 6 through 8. It's the marriage of the Lamb. 
Verse 6 says, Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean. I didn't realize the, what songs the worship team was going to lead today, but they made reference to that in one of the songs that they sang. I can't even remember which one it was now. But about uh, having put on the garments of righteousness in that. We are the bride of Christ. And guess what? He's coming to get his bride. I, don't, I can't tell you that I understand all the ins and outs of the how. <laughs> but I believe that he is coming one day to receive his bride. And the bride is us. We are. We are the bride of Christ. He's coming back for his bride one day. Let me read, um, while we're in Revelation, chapter 22, verse 17. Speaking of the bride, verse 17 says, The Spirit... And the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. The bride of Christ, that's us. We are. We're to be telling people, Come. Come to Jesus. Come to this living water. Jesus Christ was busy about His Father's business when He was here on this earth. We, the church, are to be busy keeping that business going. Keeping that business going. Being about the mission of Christ. We're to call out to the world, come. Come to Jesus. Come drink of the living water. If we really want America back, I've heard that a lot over the last couple of years. We want America back. You can hear it among the church people. We want America back. If we really want our state, our city, our community, our schools back, we hear that a lot too, right? We need to get busy about Christ's business. You might have heard over the last several years some using the phrase, the church is the hope of the world. You ever heard that? The church is the hope of the world. I don't remember which church or which pastor started that going along, but it kind of got popular there a few years ago. Well, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? The church is the hope of the world. All of the world are doomed, <laughs> us included. We're all doomed to the wages of sin. And what's the wages of sin? Death. We're all doomed to death. Our only salvation is through Jesus Christ. He is our life. Jesus is our hope. Right? Jesus is our hope. So, I can kind of follow the analogy here with this of saying if the church is the hope of the world and we are the body of Christ and we're saying we're lifting up Jesus, then yeah, I guess we are the hope of the world. God is using us to... He wants us to join in mission with Him 
to have people reconciled to himself through Jesus. Remember about the ministry of reconciliation that we have? God wants to reconcile all mankind to himself. He wants to make man right with him again. And that's through Jesus. If we are the body of Jesus, if we as the church are the body of Christ, we are a hope to the world. Because we're presenting Christ to the world as their hope. As their hope. You say it seems so overwhelming. <laughs> so big of a task. What can we do? Where do we start? Well, we can start in here. We can start by loving each other. We can start by staying in unity with each other, by working together, by knowing our part and doing our part, and practicing that unity that Jesus prayed for. To listen to God's call to you and discover your part and then get involved in doing it. All the parts working together as God intended will be the body of Christ, the church presenting Christ to the world. And as Christ is lifted up, what will He do? All men will be drawn to Him. And as they're drawn to Christ, guess what's going to happen? They will be changed. Were you changed by Christ? Church, as we lift Christ up, men will be drawn to Him. And then men will be changed. And then our schools will be changed. Our communities and our cities will be changed. Our state will be changed. Our nation will be changed. If we want our nation back, if we want our state back and our communities back and our schools back, we've got to lift up Christ. We've got to be the church that God's called us to be and be on mission to be the body of Christ to the world that's looking on. He is the hope of the world. We are His church. We are His church. And we can participate in his mission of reconciling the world to himself. How about it? Let's do it. You want to do it? Let's, let's be the church. Let's do it. And let's lift up Christ. Amen? Let's, uh, how about we stand together in solidarity, <laughs> in unity, as the um, worship team comes forward? Let's pray. God, we're thankful for the church. We're thankful that it's not something we can just... Uh, answer a, a mail or two and join. But God, we're supernaturally born into it. God, when we realize that we are dead in our sins and our trespasses and that our only hope is in Christ Jesus for our salvation. God, when we receive that salvation, when we uh, submit to You as our Lord, God, when we follow You in faith, we're reborn. You change us into a new creation. We're born into this great fellowship, the church. God, I'm grateful for the church. God, help us to be able to understand our calling, our calling to be the image of Christ to the world around us, to be the body of Christ, to be the hands and feet of Christ. God, help us to submit to the head, which is Christ, and just do the function of the body of Christ. God, we know that men will be drawn to you if we lift you up. God, we lift you up today. It's in His name we pray. Amen. The bond of love.
I just wanted to make one little quick announcement. If you want to receive credit for your giving of the Disaster Relief Fund, you need to make your check out to the church. And also, if you give online, be sure it's a special uh, offering, Disaster Relief. And then Patrice will write one check combining all of our giving. That way you will get credit. Scott, thank you this morning for the challenge that you give to each of us. Good to have everybody today. Thank you for coming out, our visitor. Please come back and visit us again. So we'll be glad to have you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us and for the privilege, opportunity to come back out to your house this morning, Lord. We just ask that you just help each of us, Lord, to do our part as we sometimes think it's a small part, as we put those parts together, it becomes a big part. It just help us to, to work together, Lord. Just help us as we go out this week to share your love, Lord, to people we meet and to share the church, share you, Lord. We just thank you again for this day. We ask this in your name. Amen.